Good day and welcome back to the Help Me Understand podcast. This is Dr. Robert Dillon. Today's episode features Jane Bannister. Now, Jane and I have known each other for over 30 years. Uh, Since middle school, uh, we have found ourselves exploring some of the same things, journalism and broadcast and communication. In this episode, we talk about teaching and learning, her continued evolution as a teacher, and our deep shared passion for social justice and equity issues in our communities. Jane is a great storyteller, and that definitely comes out in this episode as well. I have to give a special shout out to Jane for the shoves uh, she's given me into this world of podcasting as well. Hope you enjoy this episode with Jane Bannister. Jane, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hi. Yeah, we've been uh, discussing before we hit the button here that uh, we are taping this in tumultuous times. Uh, We're all just trying to figure out how uh, to live in quarantine. So are you surviving over there? We are definitely surviving. I have hard-headed teenagers do not want to be shut down. Uh, Yeah. One day they all wound up bringing over their friends. I'm like, the hell yar. <laughs> like, get them out right now. Yeah. Days are like, mom. <laughs> I know. What um, is, mom, you're taking this too seriously. <laughs> I know. We've been that way too. Just a lot of uh, FaceTime with friends, and uh, we're just holding off on uh, interacting with a whole bunch of folks. It changes the dynamic, and uh, I think it's kind of interesting. But I appreciate you joining in a, in a busy time. Both of us are trying to figure out how to do school online and we're figuring out how to teach kids when we can't actually be in the same space as them and make sure people have what they need. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting times. So uh, how is it changing the way you're doing your work? Well, obviously in a curriculum where you have this happens, this happens, this happens, um, you know, some of that can't happen. Um, I'm having to create new ideas of doing the same work, but in a different way. So we're going to throw in some photography unit, which they can do individually at home uh, as a preface to when we get back someday doing video learning. So you understand like it wouldn't have been where we were, but you have to switch it up because I need them to be able to do something from home. Yeah, and kind of our uh, education of our, speak, uh, that just moves the scope and sequence around. But yeah, I think it also gives us a chance to try some things out. I mean, in the end of all of this, probably won't have grades and we probably won't have GPAs and we probably are on pass fail. So uh, it, a lot of that is what's causing our kids. Um, I, I teach high school. So yeah. and a majority of my kids are juniors and seniors. The The real real things they don't know that is causing them stresses. A, am I going to be graded for that? B, uh, how can I make up the stuff before we left that I wasn't done with? (laughs) Which the majority of them with senioritis had a lot of stuff out. Um, And A, am I going to be graduating this year? Are they going to make me stay? I mean, kids... Yeah. Kids are really thinking about that. Um, they, they, those kids who are in sports, specifically, I have some track stars um, who depend on that season to sell them to a college. I mean, they're like, what the hell am I doing now? You know, like I can't. Yeah. That was a part of their plan. 
their life plan. And so we, I mean, we have some real questions from them that we can't answer. And I feel really, really bad that we don't have anything to give them answer wise right now. I know. And uh, I, I'm seeing the same thing. Uh, you know, we were talking about teenagers before my teenage daughter's asking me some of the same questions about school. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes their questions are silly, like, well, do I have to do this assignment when we're talking about kids that, you know, don't know if their college scholarships are there or they yeah. know whether they're getting into a college or whether they applied and they couldn't get this form. And now that form's locked in their locker. And yeah. Um, but I am hopeful that we're able to find ways through all of these uh, questions. So for folks that don't know, uh, yeah. what have you been doing as a <laughs> profession? Uh, how have you been serving? Um, and kind of where would people find you these days? Okay, so here's the rundown. <laughs> I'm a, I graduated from Southeast. Um, I moved back home. Um, I had two job offers. One was a middle school drama teacher and the other one was a high school drama teacher, but it just happened to be at Rittner, <laughs> which all of you Pattonville people know it's the evil, um, you know, other side. <laughs> right, right. Road. So obviously I took the high school because that's definitely where I need to be. Um, I have been with them now for 23 years which is just crazy because a lot of teachers bounce back and forth, but I've, I'm in a, such a specialized area. You just, if you get a job, you kind of stay there because there's not like 20 million of them. Um, eventually after eight years of doing drama, I switched to the media department. Rittner had a, has a uh, radio station and a very, very well-respected radio station. So I was lucky enough to get in that. It just fell pretty much into my lap, really. Um, I took one film class in college, and they're like, you're qualified <laughs> to teach media. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I've been teaching media now for years, which is just crazy because I went into drama and speech. Um, and now... Um, after several years, we started really doing a, a really good job. We've really uh, hit a national level. Of, we're, we're definitely hitting all Missouri, all state, um, which is, you know, old medal, the first place uh, in any other sport. Um, and I ended up um, really getting into podcasting because I'm in radio. And so about six years ago, when nobody was doing it, um, you know, I started running around and t teaching people how to do it in the journalism profession. And in the end, you know, I, I have been traveling um, to, the, to a lot of the national conferences to uh, speak on that. Um, I got into drone video. So I... Uh, have a drone video class in a high school, which is unheard of. Um, so I've been doing that and teaching people about that. So, Whew. well, yeah. you know, I, I think that all sounds ama amazing because your job really hasn't been the same for 23 years. You have oh, yeah. continued to evolve. I remember I came and watched the play. A, a play, yeah. I don't remember what it was. It might have been Our Town uh, or a Little yeah. Abner. I don't remember what it was, but like, 
in like crappy old second gym at Rittner and just thinking like, man, it is cool to put on a production, but now if people don't know, you have an amazing space that you work in. So uh, yeah, yeah, so the we had a great bond issue that went into creating a, a new uh, auditorium slash um, you know performance area. Um, so when they moved all of those classes into the new space, they had this huge uh, room that they said we can we could have a part of as as this media program and it evolved into having one of the most like I, I like to call it the top hall of of journalism roles rooms. It's just incredible. Um I had a teacher come in when they showed it off and she just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she had tears running down her face. She's like, I, I deserve this too. <laughs> I felt so bad. Yeah. I actually just it got is, a, ch yeah, yeah. I, was, I actually just got a chance to see the new television studio over at Ladue high school, our oh, friend yeah. Don Goble. And I think that everyone that goes in there probably has the same reaction. Um, and you know, he, he talked about how it was two years of him being basically a mobile video um, classes to move into that space and so uh yeah and we it, went, it's yeah, more it than cool. the two years it's nobody nobody sees what it goes into making something like that it is the most hardest it's the hardest process in education to sit with everybody and their brother and think for forethought about what will this need to be so it's usable in the future not just today, as things change. And that's hard to do because everything's evolving so quickly. Yeah, let's not run away from, you talked about the radio station and I think that is a yeah. unique piece, right? And A, yeah. I have no idea what the future of radio is with things like Spotify and whatever else. And so I, I kind of wonder, what do you want kids to walk away from a radio class in a day and time where radio is just foundationally changing? Well, foundationally, it's changing because it's centralizing into smaller parts. So 90% of most people still listen to radio. They, they get in their car and they go to work and they listen to radio. They come home in their car and they listen to radio. A majority of people do not use um, their, you know, their uh, coax or whatever it is. The, um, they don't hook up for other things. And so we know that it's still a viable part of our society um, compared to all the other medias that had to really change. Um, radio has it. But in saying that, you have to understand, though, they've centralized um, a lot of them into bigger companies. So it's not the smaller companies. They've all become bigger companies like iHeart. iHeart can be here in St. Louis. and. Um, be on stations in Ohio, in Iowa, and Nebraska, and never actually be in the locations. So it's, it's kind of like that. Like, if you go into it, understand you're making no money for a long time. Understand there is specific jobs that really, in engineering, those are the only guys that are really making money, not the DJs, the actual hosts. And, the, you know, it's, the kids are attracted to the hosting and the talking. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's good for the kids to learn though about this kind of communication. Um, they're not used to talking <laughs> at all in a, you know, in a manner for an audience. So it's, I bring back all my communications and speech skills and work with them with that. So it's still, still relevant to them to how to speak to an audience. Yeah, I think that's, it's an awesome medium and it actually helps kids that don't want to be public facing, standing in front of people, start to build some skills around that. So, and then uh, you caught me off guard with the drone photography class. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. A, I think it's super cool. And A, I do, and I know that more and more farmers and surveyors oh, yes. and all like are using this technology. Uh, what's that look like for your students? Uh, we qualified it as photography and video. So it falls under the, our, our fine art form. Um, but we know that the real jobs are going to come um, because pretty much every construction job uses them now. Um, when I travel, I do it. I, you know, you have people from all over the country. The, farmer, the farmers are the ones who want to talk to me <laughs> because they're the ones who really need it and are using it heavily. Um, but, you know, we look at not only the flight aspect, which is, of course, the fun, but looking at an artistic aspect and how to use it artistically, um, we use a lot of different tr tricks for them to uh, see it as more of, of just then just flying a plane. And, you know, ends up really creating some cool stuff, you know, having to use this uh, drone for a full video is pretty tough. <laughs> so by the time they're done, they're really great. They're good and good at it. Kids, um, the ones that are 16 and over can also uh, work on their commercial licensing. Yeah. And so um, that is part of it too, even though I have all age ranges, um, but we kind of help to prepare them to take that test if they choose. Yeah, that's super cool. So kind of yeah. over the last uh, chunk of years, since uh, maybe since you've been there, kind of what have been some other maybe non-school related kind of peak experiences for you things that have really stood out as memories or experiences that um you know I, I don't know i think life is just a series of amazing moments and experiences if you let it be so uh what yeah. about you what, what's been at the peak for you i think i just came back from new york a couple of weeks ago uh and i had a professor say you know life is about you know events ordinary people and extraordinary events you know mm -hmm. happening to them um, the fact that I've been able to take some groups of kids out of town, um, sharing what it is to travel, uh, sharing with them what it looks to be in other cities. God, those have been amazing experiences for me as a teacher, which is crazy. You know, it's five kids, but God, you know, how has that changed their whole life by being able to go to New York City? That's just, those are the kind of things I've been really enjoying the last few years. Um, Traveling myself, of course, a bit. <laughs> Talking to you, you travel every other day. <laughs> I have. The last four or five years have been a, a busy travel season in my life. So, but, uh, you know, I've done more traveling in the last five years because of this. And, um, you know, that's, that's an amazing experience, you know. Um, and then being able to bring actual kids places, I mean, that in itself is just crazy. So that's cool. I yeah. think really if you go, what has really really affected me big time was of course when Ferguson um happened the experience is an experience 
um, that happened in 2014. And I did a lot of speaking on that at, at first, but I, I kind of saw my audience cut dwindle on that. But um, I talked about how that our medium, having mediums like this for our kids, gave them an opportunity to express themselves in such a hard time. Um, and it really solidified for me that I'm not just teaching them about a profession, I'm teaching them about how to um, think about how to communicate about what's, what's happening. Um, and, and I kind of believe that is, is how I helped them through that time because we're 13 miles away from Ferguson, which are the same kids that were, you know, they were Michael Brown. They're those kids. Yep. And I, I saw so much pain from them, so much anger, and not the kind of anger, but anger of not knowing what to do or how to do. And I thought, my God, we have this resource here. Why aren't we using that to help them to work through it? And, and that kind of changed my state of mind of what I was doing when I was teaching. Yeah, it goes from, hey, I'm, I'm teaching to this is missional work. This is a contribution to something larger. And I don't know who said it along the way, but, you know, I think when you see people lashing out, whether it was lighting fire to a building or, right. or vandalizing, that is voice. And if we don't give our teenagers and young adults an opportunity for their voice to be heard somewhere, productively it's going to show up in very ugly unproductive ways i had a a little girl sweet as can be so frustrated she's ready to go down there to be a part of the march and i'm going my god i need to give her something so she's not in that that's not something she has to go down there in order to feel like she's done something and that's really where I was. I needed to get something. They didn't feel like they have to be a part of the chaos. Yeah. Because I saw her knowing she had good, she has good intentions. She has good feelings about wanting to support. But I don't want to see her down there with the, you know, people getting hurt. I yeah. mean, she's a sweet little girl. But I understood her pain. Um, and I think the second thing on were the conversations that came out of that. Conversations I thought I understood or I knew, having taught um, a majority of low poverty African-American students for years, I thought I knew it, right? I thought I was Mm -hmm. down. And I was so not understanding, so not aware. Uh, And it was like, a real awakening as to this idea of what this other America is for them um, that I hadn't thought about before. I thought it was not, you know, like, yeah, you get pulled over, right? Like it's not a deal. Mm, yeah. But it, it was, hey, there is a certain age where they sit down and talk to their kids about how to, you know what I mean? Not to... Yep. And I'm like, my God, I never have to sit down with my kid. How many of us have to sit down with our kids to tell them how not to get arrested and how not to get in trouble for doing nothing but walking in the store? Right. 
Yeah, it's, um, I, I feel like I've been on that similar journey of being open and listening and realizing that in no way, shape, or form have I arrived in really understanding. Uh, but, um, I, you know, I value kind of being in that conversation and being a learner in that conversation because, man, we just have a lot of healing um, yet to do around all of those conversations. Yeah, and I think it still comes from we can't heal because we still aren't opening to understanding. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend in Jeff Co. and we're putting together our stories and she's like, I just still don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't out of like ignorance. It's out of how do you explain that to somebody who's in an extremely wide community who has a very high uh, respect for their authority, right? Because we've all grown up that way. How do you explain to them how this is different for them? They, it's like reading some of the posts like it's their own fault for not doing what they're supposed to. Right. And I go, how do you explain that there's this whole other America out there? I don't, I haven't gotten there yet. I really don't know how to do it yet myself. Yeah, I, so. I, I don't know. I, I try to find little moments in, in small audiences where I can try to insert some little nugget of wisdom, but um, it does feel like you're swimming upstream to really making uh, people's eyes oh. open and there be an awareness around all that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And I, and it's hard cause I don't want to ram it. I did it first. I wanted to ram it down everybody's throat uh, because I loved my kids. Yeah. And I love my, my, I mean, when I say my kids, I mean my students cause they're my children. Sure. And, and I still have to figure out how to explain it and how to profess it so that it's not, like I said, ramming it or being judgmental or what have you, which I've did. And now I know I can't do it that way. Cause that doesn't, that doesn't allow for conversation. That yeah. doesn't allow for learning. So, you know, it's, it's a struggle. It's a constant thing that I, I work with in my head about how to get there. But Yeah. I wonder if both of us even thought back, you know, 20, almost 30 years now, if there were teachers that were trying to do that for us and whether they were on fire and needed to change everybody right now, or they were more subtle and more wise about that, um, do you look back and think, man, I think there were groups that were yeah. empowering for African-American kids. I think that was the tone that we were growing up with is, you know, there are groups to support them as learners, but I don't think there was any like push to have us learn from each other or learn that there's this difference or learn, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I struggled to look back and, you know, there, there were no good old days about this. It's just all been kind of a messy mess. And so um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to lean into the mess though, because I think that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think you get on the conversation cause I know you're passionate about it too. <laughs> I know we both can talk on forever about this. Yeah. Um, so d- d- yeah. <laughs> let, let, yeah. So good enough. We'll, 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 good we'll, enough. It, yeah. So there's never a stopping point to that conversation, no, but we can go I, on forever. Yeah. I do want to touch as you look back and you know, you've got to see good teaching and 
okay teaching and people trying really hard to teach and yeah like i'm an old one now right (laughs) i know i know how did that happen i don't Uh, you know i actually have like five years and i can retire that's just crazy to me i know and so if you look (laughs) back though like teacher wise who who do you wish you could have said thank you to more um because of what they brought you who they were now you realize they're a good teacher who's on that list for you oh you can't go there I I, um when I started my partner was uh Mitchell Miss Mitchell oh that's right yeah uh and because I had only one (laughs) film class (laughs) he he taught me about this this uh about um media and he was the one who helped me uh, understand about the radio station and he was retiring. He had to go and he left it to me and, uh, and he died with six months later because he oh. had cancer and he didn't really tell me that. Oh, wow. And it devastated me, devastated because I, he, um, really taught me uh and fostered in me um my energy and my excitement about what we were doing and i felt like that was the best partner i ever had i i literally to this day just die inside missing him it just so um yeah him i wish i had a chance to say thank you there's one other guy yeah in my life and this is just crazy. Um, Katie Hebert's dad. Oh, yeah. Katie Hebert's dad was like uh, the soccer coach and the basketball coach. And he coached me like all through elementary school. And he was just such a good role model of a man, hmm. a, a good father, and a good understanding of how to work with kids how to treat kids he was one of the best i mean like can you imagine little little jane running around on soccer field (laughs) but like took care of me you know and he i had read i had in my mind written so many letters of thank you to him um i got a text from uh kristen hansen that he had passed away. Mm. And I will always say that that's the, the regret I have is not being able to tell him how much he did for me, how much I felt like yeah. he had parented. And so um, I was glad to be able to be there and meet all Katie and Kristen and um, other fellow, actual, a lot of the fellow girls that grew up playing soccer with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I was glad to see a testament to a man and what, what the end of his life should say. It should say that he's done something, that he was respectable, that he uh, had a lot of people who, res- you know, just responded to the fact of how he left, he lived his life. And I, and I think that's the last lesson he's going to teach me. And I appreciate that. Mm, that's a good one. Anyways. <laughs> 
so so got all these people yeah, dying <laughs> it's good some yeah some final some final thoughts i got a couple final questions for okay you okay go here we got it uh, what am i listening to <laughs> yeah right we get to the easy stuff now right like right um no I'll, i'm gonna go with where were you on 9-11 i was teaching i had watched the today show every day that those years and the tv was right by the door so i could be at the door and watch the tv and I literally was standing there when, when it hit, you know, the second tower, they filmed it and you watched them. And I just, I sat there, I stood there with Eric Lewis, one of my students at the time and said, I think there's people on that plane. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, like there are people who are just the plane because my dad's a pilot and I'm going, oh my God. I hope it's empty. That's all I kept saying to myself. Mm. Um, so um, I, I'll never forget that. They came around and told us to turn off all TVs for the day. Yeah. I remember, yeah. The, I, I remember doing the same thing. So I was, uh, I, I was, was at a, pissed. Yeah. I was like, right. I right. I want to know what's happening. How can two journalists be uh, shut out from watching television all day? Right. Like, yes. That's, right? Oh like, my so. God. It was crazy. Yeah. I was so mad. So if I would turn on your Spotify playlist right now, uh, what am, what am I going to be hearing there? Yay. Okay. So Ch Dixie chicks are back. I know. How about that? That's okay. Exciting. So like when I heard the new song then I had to relive every other old song that I absolutely loved. So, uh, I Dixie checked. Um, and then my latest obsession is on Macklemore. <laughs> it's good. I know. Like I love him. I love going like right now. He's my he's my thing. That's hilarious. You know, my I, kids are like they turn it off as soon as they can <laughs> because it's you know white girl mom rap, and of course they don't they're not into that. Yeah, I um, I watched all fourteen hour of Ken Burns's country music recently, and so oh. I've been digging back into that music. And then I also watched the Netflix Hip Hop Evolution about the history of hip hop. And so, oh, yeah. If, yeah. And so I secretly uh, have all kinds of craziness. I just finished listening to a great interview with run the jewels actually as well. So I've got my own music problems. And so See, that's uh, what I'm like to say, there's a I just, I bounce and something hits me. Yeah. And then I'm all over that music for a while. I just, it's just the way we all are. I so think. if you're loving the new Dixie Chicks, you should listen to the High Women album if you haven't done so. Oh, is that the one with all the, the yeah. new Chicks? With, yeah, with uh, Brandy Carlisle and yes. Mary Morris. And I haven't gotten to that yet, but I'm aware. Oh. I saw him in concert uh, when I was at the Newport Folk Festival. So that was yeah. a lot of fun. So last well, question for you. I saw you. Oh. them in concert. <laughs> <laughs> My life is an open book. Um, I love it. If uh, there was one person from high school that uh, you think I should have on the podcast, who should I have on the podcast? Oh my God, you have to find Katie Vest for me. As we all, like that is like the snuffleupagus of all answers. I, I, would, I would love to find that answer. Okay, that's that's the person I have like, where are you? What is your life? I am missing you so badly. Where the hell do you go? So maybe uh, I have a new job under quarantine here to, to yeah. be, a, be an internet hunter and see what I can come up with. I know. Um, who knew about her? Maybe Robin? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll investigate and see what happens. So. Okay. Um, Jane, thanks I'd for being on. Yeah, thanks for being course, on the podcast. Uh, you gotta talk to Stacey. Um, 
I hope I didn't over talk. <laughs> no, no, we are good. Uh, no, and I, I think that um, I, I'm working on getting Stacy. I figure I'm going to wait until uh, maybe the uh, emergency rooms and medical centers aren't flooded in California, and we'll work on her down the road. Yeah, it sounds good. I'd love to hear how that went for her. Sounds good. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Help Me Understand podcast. For more about my work, you can head over to drrobertdillon.com or follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to rate this podcast as it helps alert others to the great conversations and ideas happening in this space. Until next time, this is Dr. Robert Dillon reminding you that an intentional life is filled with awe, curiosity, and joy. Thank you.